Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, everything that we've done in the past is on tape. A lot of stuff that we're going to be doing now isn't on tape. Uh, we certainly don't want to show many of our cards, but there'll be some fun things happening out there and, and guys are going to want to compete and, and run the plays and defenses are going to work. So we'll find a balance. It's going to be a little weird, you know, you know, walking back in there after probably, what, 30 years. But I think once the, once the ball kick off, the focus will get um, towards the game. But you're going to appreciate being back. You know, you appreciate being back in Lincoln. Every day that you're here, you appreciate it. So I think just going in there, it's going to be a little different. But um, I'll be fine. The spring game is fun, man. That's fun. I'm going to sit back, man, and, and I want to watch that thing. And obviously, I'm going to coach them up, but, you know, but – I want to watch those guys just put it all together. What I really want to do is see if they can block out that crowd and just stay focused and play football. Hello and welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washad as spring game is here. Um, expecting about 50,000 people, Robin, in Memorial Stadium. And they'll be tearing that field turf out actually right after the next day, possibly starting Sunday. So uh, they'll get moving right away on Memorial Stadium. But um, – should get a decent crowd. You know, you heard Scott Frost said, they're probably not going to show much. More than likely, it won't be a red versus white. A lot of it has to do with the defensive line because they've really only had seven guys available for the whole D line, and you need a couple more to, to have two quality rosters uh, of teams available. So we'll see ultimately where this game is as far as how they format things. Um, but it's just a great excuse to get together um, you know, with Nebraska fans. It's a celebration uh, for a lot of Nebraskans of just being a Nebraska fan and come down here, get a beer, walk around, have a hot dog, have some fun, bring your kids. Um, game's a little shorter, Robin. Normal, usually two hours. A regular Saturday's three and a half. Um, so there's a lot to like about a spring game. And don't I, I don't think anybody should get too caught up in what they see. It's more about just trying to find a few little nuggets you can walk away with. I think for the coaches, some of the biggest things they're trying to get out of this is just seeing how young players, new players respond to um, their first taste of that stage. I mean, I think that's probably the one tangible thing you can look at if, if a guy is going to get big eyes or um, start, you know, getting undisciplined and forgetting his responsibilities and assignments, that sort of stuff, uh, just because of, you know, being in front of crowd, uh, of that size, uh, for the first time in some cases. I mean, I think there's, there's stuff with that, but you know, I wouldn't read anything in the depth charts. I wouldn't chart passes or anything like that, because as we've seen, um, that's generally not a, uh, real indication of what to expect in the fall. And I don't think the coaches are going into it with that expect expectation, especially with, um, the element of secrecy that they want to have, need to have going in Northwestern. Maybe the biggest ace up their sleeve right now is that nobody knows what they're going to be on offense. And they're, this is a, a televised spring game. Northwestern's coincidentally is not televised. I think that's something to keep in mind. So they're going to make it a point to put as little of what their offense is going to be on film as possible and keep everyone guessing, especially Northwestern. Will they even go under center? I mean, I know 
they are going under center. Will they show those looks? I mean, I don't. It's football. Football is football, and I think Mark Whipple. You can look at what he did at Pitt. I'm sure that's what they're going to look at anyway. Uh, but yeah, you don't want to see what that really looks like with Nebraska's personnel, the new offensive line, and and whatnot. So it's going to be to me a very elementary vanilla taste of of the new offense. Uh, but I want to see how the guys compete. You know, remember a year ago the spring game they didn't even tackle. Mm-hmm. That was terrible. They did in the second half, but like the first half with like all the starters. projected starters, it was two hand touch. It was thud, thud. Yeah, where the whistle would blow as soon as there was enough contact made. And like you, like that. The ultimate worst is like when, like, say, like a Logan Smothers, like, kind of rolls out of the pocket, exactly, and, and he can't get hit. Like some guy, <laughs> some guy gets one finger on him, and they blow it dead. Yeah. But the crowd erupts like it's a forty yard run. And like, exactly. no, it's dead where he got touched with one finger. Yeah. You know, so hopefully they don't do thud. Now the quarterbacks are always green jersey, but. I mean, running backs and receivers and, and those types, you would think that they'll be live. Yeah, but it seems just listening to the coaches, you ask them what, you know, the, the biggest thing they want to get out of Saturday, every one of them says stay healthy. So I don't know how physical this game's going to be, at least with uh, the top groups. Maybe it's another deal where, you know, they do go half a half a thud and a, a half a live, which would be unfortunate for the fans' perspective. But again, you know, this whole spring game experience is not – about the game itself when you when you look at it big picture it's about the day it's the event and like you said it's it's a showcase for not only um, just the fans but you know they're broadcasting on btn so anybody tuning into btn that day can get a look at the fan support and the environment of nebraska football and oh by the way it's going to be an awfully big recruiting weekend as well so so that might be uh the biggest storyline of all is you know what what further additions can Nebraska make on the recruiting front uh, for football and, and, and also other sports like basketball as well? You're listening here to the Husker online show, Sean Callahan, uh, Robin Washett, as we get you ready um, for the spring game itself. And it's going to be a really big day for recruiting Robin. Uh, Ochon Mathis will be here from TCU. The Athletic has him ranked right now as the number one ranked transfer portal target in the country. Um, it kind of puts in perspective. He's a pass rush guy. They need pass rush guys. Uh, so that to me will be as big of a thing as I think they're gonna have to get like probably at least for sure one, maybe two more front bodies on defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like you mentioned, they got seven guys they can work with right now. That is not nearly I mean, Casey enough. Rogers returns, but still, yeah, they're I mean, Damian Daniels and DeAndre Thomas should have probably come back for another year. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Thomas is done with football. Damian Daniels is putting his hat in the ring as a pro. Um, but just those two guys deciding to leave a year early, um, which, you know, they didn't technically leave a year early. They chose not to use their COVID right. year. Yeah, and so Thomas just, like you said, up and left. He didn't go through pro day. So, you know, he's he's done with football. And I guess, you know, if you're you're not bought in, you don't want to do it anymore, you might as well not be out there. But with Daniels, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, if he gets drafted, then we'll look back on it. It's like, yeah, I made the right choice. But, you know, it, it seems like he was probably one of the more questionable decisions of guys that chose not to return that that had that option. Um, but either way, those two guys' decisions left Nebraska in a, in a tough spot on that defensive line where two key cogs um, in that rotation are now gone. And uh, you add in the injuries they've had to deal with this spring, that's been a real bare-bones unit that um, – you know, is is going to have to be addressed in a big way, which makes that Mathis visit, um, the fact that they got him on campus, um, his experience this weekend might be the biggest storyline of the whole uh, the whole event. And if they're able to add him, 
suddenly a lot of the questions and concerns you have about that D-line, the depth, and especially with the pass rush, um, at least get some help towards answering. Well, and some other big names that will be here, um, all four-star guys here, Raul Aguilar from uh, inside linebacker out of Georgia, Trey Wilson, an outside linebacker out of Texas, Edric Hill, a four-star defensive lineman out of Kansas City, and then Braden Marshall, a four-star defensive back out of Florida, uh, but the biggest name will be Dylan Riola for the class of 2024. He'll be making his third trip to Lincoln uh, since June. So they've, you know, granted, Dylan Riola might be the number one player in the country right now for 2024. He is on some different services already. But, you know, it's going to be hard to get him. USC, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, they all want him. But Nebraska's got a unique end with his dad being a former player here and his uncle being a coach here. And they've got to put together a good year, but just getting them back here is big. Yeah, I mean, the the, the inherent connection there is going to work in Nebraska's favor, but if they don't complement that with success on the field and look like a competent offense, uh, it's not going to matter you know, how many family members he has here at Nebraska. So uh, that, that's a big deal. I know um, earlier this week on the chat, somebody asked, you know, how many commits can we expect out of this weekend? And, you know, I think you hinted that it might not be like guys committing this weekend, but some significant progress could be made towards, you know, factoring in some upcoming decisions. It will be interesting just to see how it all comes together for Nebraska. Red-White Spring Game will be televised live on the BTN at 1 o'clock. Much more to come. We're going to talk more offensive storylines. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The timetable is whenever it, it's clear to us and to everybody. And uh, I think there's a lot of guys doing some good things, but uh, we're nowhere near ready to make an announcement yet. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by the 2022 Aer Lingus College Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland, as Nebraska gets ready to take on Northwestern. Robin and I will be going out there. We've got our trips planned and ready. Still plenty of time for you to get your trip planned. Visit the website huskers2ireland.com as uh, they will get you up to date and ready to go on everything you need to know for this game and planning this trip out. They even got uh, options to get your airfare set and scheduled. So check it out, huskers2ireland.com. But, Robin, let's get back into the show here. As you heard, um, head coach Scott Frost talking about quarterback. No decision's been made um, w- with that position. You know, Clearly, Casey Thompson has been taking the one reps here throughout the spring, um, but we still don't have a great feel. Like, how, how does he look doing it? What, what, what does it look like? Has he been pushed? And I, I think the answer is he hasn't been pushed this spring by really Logan Smothers would be the number two, but Chubba Purdy's been limited. He has started to practice this week, so we'll see kind of where Chubba's at for this game Saturday. But to me, that is one of the bigger concerns that I had all spring was there really hasn't been too big of a strong push. And I think that was something Scott Frost wanted to see from this quarterback position was more of a battle. Well, and especially when a lot of the reports from Scott Frost himself and 
Mark Whipple and, and, and other offensive coaches and players has been, you know, there's been flashes where um, the offense and particularly the passing game has looked really good, but there's been just as much inconsistency where I think they've had some problems with turnovers. They've had some issues with quarterbacks getting on the same page with receivers, just with how much repping they're doing and, and rotating guys in with, with different groups that, um, you know, it's just kind of been a lot of acclimation that's had to go on. And so, um, you know, with that, you would like to see there be a higher level of competition, but it just doesn't seem like Nebraska is able to really have anyone that can pose a legitimate threat right now to Casey Thompson. So yeah, he's been, you know, from, from all accounts, the clear number one so far, but like you said, we just don't know what that, what that means. What does that picture look like right now? Um, that I guess we'll get a, a taste of what he has to bring to the table on Saturday. But again, that's going to be as pared down as you can possibly get. So I think that's going to remain a question to follow into the summer and um, certainly on into fall camp as you know things start to get for real. What I want to see from Casey, and I don't know if we'll see it in this game, but will he you know, really go after it down the field? Or is he always going to kind of take the safe, the safe play? Mm-hmm. And what's there? Or is he good enough to see that open inch to get a huge play? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's some of the receivers have been talking about what they really like about Whipple's offense is, you know, there seems to be more opportunities for shots downfield. But, you know, if you don't have a quarterback that's ready to rip it, um, that, that doesn't really matter. Now, you look back on his film uh, from Texas, uh, he looked really good at the deep ball. I mean, that was one thing that you know really jumped out just with his highlights that he connected on a lot of those passes that Nebraska has missed far too many of over the years. So I think he certainly has that ability, but – you know, just where is his comfort level in the offense to really kind of uh, take the take the training wheels off and, and let passes rip downfield, especially on that stage? You know, and we talked about other things to watch in this game. Uh, the receivers, Trey Palmer, he clearly, at least right now, to me, is the number one guy coming out of the spring. But Oliver Martin, I know, has had a good spring. You know, you, you go down the line, there's been some other. Omar Manning's going to. Alante Brown. Alante Brown. They've got a number of guys. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda has been out all spring with an injury, but he's going to factor in. You know, you can go down the line that even without Xavier Betts, th- this has been to me a really deep group. But I, I want to see Palmer and kind of what he brings to the table, the speed, because he is supposedly the fastest guy on this team right now. Yeah, you talk about getting the ball downfield. It starts with Trey Palmer. I mean, that's that's what he brings to the table. And uh, you know, Mickey Joseph on on Wednesday talked about how. Uh, you know, not only is Trey catching the ball better right now than he was at LSU, um, he's been especially effective um, on on deep shots. So uh, that's that's going to be, I think, where he really makes uh, an immediate impact. And um, you know, with the the fault the the aftermath of Xavier Betts leaving, that kind of shook some things up as far as where guys were repping. Um, you know, the story early in spring was Omar Manning getting work in the slot. Well, when Xavier left, uh, Omar went back to the X and has pretty much been primarily outside where Alante Brown kind of moved up as, as that new number one slot. So um, a little bit of uh, you know reconfiguration of how guys were repping, where they were repping with, uh, after the fallout of, of Betts leaving. But, you know, again, I think that's probably one of the more exciting position groups on this team right now, which is the depth they have and um, the, the talent they appear to have at wide receiver. Well, and running back has been a three-headed monster for the most part all spring uh, with Anthony Grant, Ramir Johnson, Jacquez Yant. You have Marquis Stepp. I think he's kind of behind those three. 
Gabe Urban is out. A.J. Allen um, and Emmett Johnson will be here later on in the, in the summer. So it's a very you know, incomplete picture without those guys here and without Gabe Irvin. But I, I do think all three of those top guys have had their moments. I want to see who has their moment in the spring game as long as we have tackling to the ground, which I hope and think we will, Robin. Yeah, I mean, that it's, it's really hard to evaluate a running game. You know, whether it's running backs, offensive line, and on the other side of the ball, front seven, uh, without actual real tackling. So we'll see kind of how much of that we get and how much of the top-end players or at least the projected uh, potential starters are involved with that. Um, but you, certainly that's that's really the separator, I think. And so while we've gotten some tastes of, of some live action with the scrimmages they've had this spring, um, I think it, they'll really start to ramp it up this fall um, as the, the real game prep starts going and the actual live football starts to get played, the tackling to the ground starts to happen a lot more than it can in spring. You're listening here to the Husker online show as we wrap up offensive storylines to watch the uh, offensive line too, Robin, with Dil, uh, Donovan Riola, what he's done with this group and, and kind of what it looks like. And they're without Teddy Prohaska, they're without Turner Corcoran. You can argue those are their most talented linemen on the roster when you don't have Cam Jurgens now anymore. Um, so it really is an, another incomplete picture. But I think the big picture now is what will Trent Hickson show at center? What will Bryce Benhart show at right tackle? Because a lot could change with another transfer piece added and then Corcoran and Prohaska coming back in the mix. I do think Kevin Williams at left guard has pushed Nuri Noelli maybe more than people realize too. That's another one to watch closely. Uh, but I think that line, we're far from what it's going to look like. Yeah, and so how much can you even take away from what happens on Saturday? I don't know. Um, I think that uh, you know, it's probably very limited as far as what you can evaluate. And so this is going to continue to be one of the biggest question marks on the team is just what that offensive line looks like. Who are going to emerge as the best five? And are all of those five currently on the roster? Are they going to need to go supplement that through the transfer portal after spring ball? I think that's a very real scenario, just kind of given where things stand and just kind of the, the unknowns they have with injuries. So, um, you know, that's all this talk about the, the skill that they've added, you know, the quarterback, running back, all that stuff. Uh, it, this season will be defined by what Nebraska is able to do on the offensive line and defensive lines. And um, that will dictate 2022 as much as anything else. As we uh, come back here on the Husker online show, we're going to talk some more spring game storylines. We'll talk defensive storylines and what we'll be watching there next. You're listening here to the Husker online show. This is Husker online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, I just told him that, hey, man, this is evaluation. This kind of gives me exactly what I need to know going into the summer. And kind of, you know, because when I hit to the, when I hit the fall camp, I'm not worrying about who's playing. I already know who's playing. You know, I'm getting ready for the first game. All right, that's what I'm doing. And, and I want the first game when that ball roll out, as soon as that offense get into formation, those, 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 the, those guys in the secondary are calling out exactly what it is before the ball is even snapped. So that's what I'm working on then. But I, I find out who who's going to play football here this spring, this and, game here. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washer, that was secondary coach. Travis Fisher Wednesday as he gets his group ready for the spring game. And, you know, Robin, that's probably the group that has the most competition, I think, the most unknowns, mainly because he brought in so many new players. I mean, there's five new faces worked in there. 
Um, even like Tyreek Johnson, we didn't really get to see him much last year because he was a new guy that came in later. Um, so th- there's a lot of new faces mixed in with some older guys. And those battles, I think, have been ongoing. Uh, but I-, I think one thing is clear, Robin. Tommy Hill is going to be a factor. It's just a matter of how they want to use him. Yeah, I mean, you could make a case that he is uh, maybe the front runner at this point in, in spring practice. Uh, to uh, be that other starting cornerback opposite Quentin Newsom, I think uh, just the way uh, listening to Travis Fisher and, and some of the other guys talk about uh, that cornerback battle, those guys are the ones whose names keep coming up. You know, Tommy Hill is the first guy mentioned by pretty much everyone who's been asked about that competition. And um, you know, like I said, Travis Fisher said that he is the has the highest skill level of anybody in that group. So uh, as long as he can put it together mentally, um, I don't see any reason why he won't be uh, the starter opposite Quentin Newsom right now. Uh, so it seems like that secondary is kind of starting to clear up a little bit, at least for Travis Fisher and, and that defensive coaching staff. I think they know who their guys are. Now it's just a matter of you know where they're all going to uh, sit in the uh, week one depth chart. Yeah, here's So right now I see Newsom, I see Hill at corner, I see Braxton Clark kind of as that third guy. That and they'll they'll pl- they'll probably play three corners more than you think because they don't have JoJo Doman anymore. Where JoJo Doman could almost play that third corner. Yeah, it'll be more of a true nickel, nickel in a lot of those. And when I look at safety, Marcus Buford, Miles Farmer, I think those guys are probably up there right now. I'm I'm curious where Deshaun Singleton kind of fits. I think Isaac Gifford's going to be a factor too in that hybridish role too. And then No Paul Gates, yeah. I'm really intrigued how that shakes out because I, I think it's close. Well, I mean, it seems like the theme of spring has been about dogs and who's got that dog in them. Uh, well, Travis Ugh. Fisher was asked, you know, who, which players embody that mentality the most? Like, which, which guys have shown you that? And the four guys that he mentioned were uh, Tommy Hill, Quentin Newsom, Miles Farmer, and Marcus Buford. So if you want to read anything into that as far as – and what he meant by that is like the guys that are, are doing everything that they're supposed to do and playing at the level they need to play at every day, every rep. They've are had you, guys that have shown flashes. Um, you know, Braxton Clark, Pola Gates were guys that he mentioned as guys that have, have shown bits of that. But the four guys that he mentioned that were the ones that, that embodied the quote-unquote dog as much as anybody in that room were those four. And so – Maybe uh, if you read into that, that those are the front runners at this point. I have heard way too much dog. There's been a lot of dogs. Like questions are what kind of dog? Are what you? kind? Of, are you a dog? What kind of dog are you? Are you a good dog? What makes a dog? <laughs> are you a big dog? I mean, it's wow. <laughs> All right. Well, it should be interesting to see. Uh, you know, defensive line too, Robin. That is the one for me when I look at this team. They're really light on bodies. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, they're, they've got seven guys going this spring. When when you look at uh, kind of the the makeup of the of the line, uh, Ty Robinson, Nash Hutmacher, uh, Colton Feast, Marcus Black, Nash Hutmacher. I'm trying to think. Buckley, uh, Ruquan Buckley, and then Mosai Newsome. Those are the seven. That is one group where there's just not a lot of walk-ons. They don't have. It's hard to find. Good, you know, good in-state walk-on D linemen is because those guys usually get recruited. Yeah, they're usually scholarship guys. So, I mean, depth, I mean, 
defensive line, you can make a strong argument, is the biggest concern on the team right now, just because of the lack of numbers they have. And you know, certainly spring injuries have played a part in that. Uh, there's guys that will, without a doubt, factor into that rotation that will be back in the mix this fall. But just kind of where things stand right now, getting through a spring with seven D linemen, that's tough. And that I think that's a big reason why this spring game is going to be formatted the way it is, as opposed to having two teams. They just got to kind of makeshift it offense versus defense because they just don't have enough bodies to play two full teams um, in a spring game. So, I mean, that's we talk about the additions they potentially could make with the offensive line. I think it's uh, a certainty that there will be at least one, maybe even two or more uh, offseason additions to that D-line just to give themselves some more bodies and, and competition to work with. Well, and Casey Rogers will come back as well. I'm going to go way back to recruiting, but – I'm not saying this is ever going to happen, but Brant Banks and Ethan Piper, they were once recruited as defensive linemen, hmm. and they've moved over to the O-line. So you, you think about those moves now, you're like, man, you'd like to actually have some of those guys developed, but they're, they're too far down the line as O-linemen to ever move back, in my opinion. It would be really hard to do. Yeah, and especially in the portal era, I mean, you can find someone much more suited to hit the ground running there, especially you know, with the, the new wave that's about to hit as spring practices come to a close. I mean, there's going to be a, a big influx of talent hitting the transfer portal that Nebraska will have some options to uh, look at as, as potential additions. So, um, you know, you, you hope that with guys coming back off injury, that shores things up a little bit. But there's no doubt in my mind they have to add some more depth to that group if they're going to be able to make it through an entire season. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show you know, and then linebacker uh, inside to me that that's another position where they're they're hit right now with injuries. Garrett Snodgrass is out. Uh, then you have uh, Luke Reimer out. But I think that's going to give us a great opportunity to see some of these younger players, maybe like a Randolph Kapai or a uh, Ernest Hausman. You know, he's another one that I think has had some moments. Um, so I am excited to see some of those younger players play just to see what they can do. Yeah, Malga Clemens, too. I mean, he's a guy we've been waiting on, seems like, for the last couple of years, and now he's getting the best opportunity he's had, and it sounds like, at least, uh, he's doing pretty well. So uh, you'll see a lot of him on Saturday, and, you know, he showed a couple flashes last year that, um, you know, maybe he can, you know, help solidify some of that depth. And, you know, I know you look back, just the inside linebacker position, I'm not nearly as worried about that as, uh, you know, maybe some of the other positions on the on the trenches but uh, just because they don't rotate as much with that inside linebacker group and with um, Henrich and Reimer you know they really only need like maybe one or two other guys and I think they have enough bodies there to to be just fine on the edge on the outside though when they get like an Ochon Mathis possibly or maybe another pass rush guy I'll be curious how they're utilized are they gonna be more like an outside linebacker are they just gonna be a true edge guy and to me, that's how they're using Garrett Nelson and Caleb Tanner. Um, but it's so hard to define this scheme and how they're going to use guys, especially if they get some of these additions, because uh, they really aren't a 3-4. They're kind of like this thing between a 3-4 and a 4-3. Yeah, I mean, I think it just depends on what the offense, if it, you know, they're running a playing Wisconsin, their defense is going to look a whole lot different than when they're playing, you know, whoever, Oklahoma. So, you know, I think that that's something – 
that this defense is very much flexible. Um, it's not a traditional 3-4. It's not a 4-3. It's a, it's a hybrid and one that basically adjusts to whatever personnel and, and guys are able to play different roles depending on their opponent. And that's like a year ago. Think about this. JoJo Dolman, you know, he could have maybe wrist injury and clubbed up his arm to play, uh, but had the surgery instead. Because, you know, against Wisconsin and Iowa, he wouldn't have really factored into the way those teams play. Mm-mm. Yeah, and so – uh, I think that that is one that we talked about the Jojo position, like really against, you know, bigger personnel offenses. There's going to be two outside linebackers against pass heavy teams. There's going to be a traditional nickel. I don't think you're going to have another Jojo dome and not, not just with the way the roster is set up right now. All right. When we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker online show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, we visit with Xavier right now. He just he's not on the team right now, but we visit with Xavier, and we're gonna visit that again down down the road. You know, like I say, it's gonna be Frost's decision about what he wants to do with him. But you know, my thing with Xavier, Xavier's gonna all be a part of me, you know, and then part of this program. But um, like I said, we'll, we'll deal with that down the line. You know, we, we tell them like this: If you're here or not, they're not gonna—they're gonna kick the ball off. If, if Coach Mickey's not here, they're not gonna say, "Okay, let's let's postpone the game until I'm ready." No, we gotta have people, the guys in the building. That's who we're gonna play with. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robert Washington, Abby Barmore. You heard Mickey Joseph give the most in-depth answer we've heard on Xavier Betts, um, and just kind of where that's at. Where it's really nowhere at this point from where it was at before, but at least a little bit more depth that he's talking with him, but. Yeah, I got the sense, Robin, before we bring in Abby Barmore, the door's kind of cracked a little bit maybe for him to come back, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, they're still in communication. They plan to talk some more after spring ball and just kind of see what the situation is. And really, you know, Mickey Joseph said it was Scott Frost's decision, but I think a lot of it is what's going on with Xavier and just where he is, um, you know, in in his personal life and and mentally. And um, that'll ultimately probably define what not only his – future as a Husker is, but as, as a football player. All right, it's time for the mailbag. Abby Barmore, how do you want to start us off? Who do you think will get the most reps at center during the spring game? I mean, that's kind of a hard question, but I, I think Trent Hickson's been the number one guy. He'll work with the ones, and then you'll see Ethan Piper working there as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, just going coming out of spring, Hickson is the pretty clear number one at this point, though they, I would expect both of them to play on Saturday. What are three things that you will be following closely during the spring game? Um, the quarterbacks. I mean, that's the obvious one. The running backs. I mean, I want to see Anthony Grant, you know, get eight or ten carries, what he can do. Assuming there's tackling. Assuming there's ta- <laughs> Trey Palmer. I mean, there's not a lot on the defense that moves my needle. Some of the DBs. Like Tommy maybe, Hill. Like the, the young guys or the new guys that they brought in, Singleton, Hill, Buford. I've heard Tommy Hill's their best island corner they have. Uh, Travis Fisher said he is the has the highest skill level of any of their defensive backs. It's just a matter of how much he can catch up mentally just learning the new defense. So that's pretty high praise. All right, what do you got next, Abby? Who starts opening day at running back, Anthony Grant or the field? Oh, man. I'll say Anthony Grant, but – Maybe they stick with like a, a veteran like Ramir Johnson mm-hmm. um, to, to bring it out of the gates and then bring Anthony Grant in off the bench and kind of keep the pressure off of him. But I know he's looked good this spring. Yeah, it seems like we keep trying to run out Ramir Johnson and all he does is get more carries. So uh, he'll be in the conversation, but just kind of based off 
his first spring and then kind of the comments that have followed, uh, Anthony Grant appears to be the front runner at that spot. Who do you ant- anticipate to be the starting kicker for kickoffs, PATs, field goals, and punting? Well, the the PA or the uh, kickoff guy is Brendan Frankie. Um, in the spring game, Chase Contreras will probably be your your lead field goal PAT guy, but Timmy Bleakrod will be here in the fall, so that's that's really where it's going to be. Brian Buschini is your punter, uh, but a, a lot of that battle until Bleakrod gets here. But he's the scholarship guy; no one else is. So right. it pretty much has to be. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, Robin. Where it doesn't really matter. The scholarship guy typically gets the nod. Yeah, th- things have will have to go pretty bad for them to go with someone else because, I mean, you're devoting a scholarship to a kicker. He better be on the field. I mean, I'll go back um, to an example of that. Barrett Pickering, very average, but scholarship kicker. Mm-hmm. And he got the benefit of the doubt over Cole Fromm. Well, Cole Fromm left immediately. And he went on to be like an NFL kicker for South Dakota State with a much stronger leg and ability level than Barrett Pickering, who injured himself in a golf accident and never was the same in 2019, which, you know, really hurt the team. So it's to me, it's tough for the scholarship guy to get beat out because they're going to get every chance to win the job. Yeah. So I'll I'll go with that same three with, with Frankie as your kickoff specialist. All right. Next. Would would having the spring game at night help a little bit with recruiting? No. Uh, I I think the biggest thing you want to do is you put it in the afternoon at like one o'clock, two o'clock, because then you can draw a four or five hour circle around that time and say, look, people that live within four or five hours can get here and then they can still get home without having to stay the night. You, you, you can't pay for these kids on these trips in a lot of cases. So you want it to be smack dab in the afternoon, not only for the players, but the fans. The, the fans don't want to stay overnight for a spring game. OK, mm-hmm. like some might. I, mean, I bet the hotels are yeah. fairly full. Yeah. But this is not like the Michigan game. You know, it's a spring game. Yeah. And, you know, we got to take into account the weather, too. It's still spring in Nebraska, and it gets cold at night. And so an 8 o'clock tip is going to feel a lot different than a – or kick is going to feel a lot different than a, you know, 1 or 2 o'clock. Like if you asked me take an October 28th night or an April 8th night, I'd take the October 28th night. Oh, yeah. Because no you, you still have that warm air where April air, you just don't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. All right, Abby, what do you have next? Does Nebraska get a commit this weekend in football or basketball? I don't know about football. I mean, Ochon Mathis, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, but I think a lot of the – I think the weekend itself could lead to commits. That's the biggest thing. It's going to set the foundation. This, this is the first time since 2019 that Nebraska has hosted visitors for a spring game. Yeah, with basketball, they have one official visitor, um, Antonio Reeves, the transfer from Illinois State. Uh, so he's the only guy to watch. Probably would say the same thing. I wouldn't necessarily expect an immediate commitment, but it could very well go a long way into paving the road for a future commitment later on. Will there ever be another team to have a similar season to the one last year for Nebraska? According to the metrics, probably not. (laughs) Um, What I found interesting, and I pulled this up in the live chat this week, on the schedule analytics and, you know, the, the computer rankings, Nebraska was ranked 36th in the final with a 3-9 record. They're the 36th best team in the country. Uh, eight of their nine losses came to teams ranked really inside the top 30. So they played essentially eight ranked teams, and their only bad loss was to Illinois, and they were like 63rd. 
So when you just look at the raw analytics, Nebraska just had the it was luck of the draw. I mean, they played an extremely tough schedule and they had some bad breaks in those games. I find it hard for there to be that many cases of bad luck and bad bounces ever again. I mean, like it was almost like the punt at Michigan State, unprecedented. Just how many things went wrong at the worst possible times for Nebraska. I just don't know if that could ever be repeated, but. It is Nebraska sports, I mean, so never say never. they did not give up a first down in the second half, and they lost the game. <laughs> Still not over like it. Like, that, you go to that, that touchdown that Martinez. unbelievable. That touchdown Martinez scored. I mean, it was like the dagger. Like, oh. he, like, walked in there. It was like, they got this. And then they lost it. Yep, they found a way. They found a way to clutch defeat. Remember that flight home victory. the next day from Michigan State? Oh, my gosh. Everybody on that flight just looked like. Yes, Every, Hell. Yes, everybody was reeling both emotionally and physically. Sorry, Jeff, our good buddy that was on that flight. <laughs> All right, what do you have, Abby? Uh, final question. Outside of Bo Pelini walking out with a cat in the Jack Hoffman run, what is your favorite spring game memory? Whew. I mean, I've, come, I've been to a lot of spring games at Nebraska. Um, you know, there's been a lot of guys that have showed up. But for me personally, as a young kid in college – we got to announce the play-by-play of the spring games and the KRNU station. You know, we we were given the opportunity as the sports directors to do that. Um, so I, I want to say I called at least play-by-play for two of them. And at that stage in my life, that was a huge deal, um, even though it was a spring game. And I mean, I, I remember I was like prepping like Friday night and Thursday night, like it was like a real game and a huge opportunity, um, you know, to to do the game itself. So. Uh, for me, that's that's my personal favorite memory was just getting the chance at, at a young age to announce those games on the student station back in college. Yeah, mine's kind of similar. Spring of 2001, I was a senior at Lincoln High School, and I just had the idea to email Nebraska and see if I could get a credential for the spring game just to cover it for the experience. And they gave me one, and I was able to go in the press box and sit up there and uh, you know, sit next to all these people that I'd read, you know, the, the Steve Sippel, Tom Chattels, all those guys and like sit next to them in the press box. And so that was a pretty monumental moment as far as my career goes. So that one will always stand out to me on a personal level. You got any memories, Abby? I mean, mine are different. I've been to a few spring games, but nothing really stands out that much. But I would say like Scott Frost's first spring game, just mm-hmm when he walked out and the energy in that stadium, I was in the student section for that one, but there was a lot of hope this year might be <laughs> yes, a little different <laughs> hope wise, but there was, people were very, very excited for a that. Lot of hope. Another one selfishly <laughs> for me, just seeing my kids at a game. I don't really get to see my kids on Husker Saturdays. They don't get to the games a lot and uh, they've been able to go to a lot of the spring games. So for me at like halftime going down to see them, like it's fun for me to, see my kids because I don't get to see them on Husker Saturday. So I think that's what's cool about the spring game. It allows families to bring kids to the game because it's shorter and it's two o'clock. You know, you can get in and out of here. It's, it's a little bit tamed down compared to a normal game day Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just it's a whole different experience from a normal game, both on the field and in the press box. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk basketball. The new hire has been made. There's new visitors coming. There's scheduled news. Robin Washett will close off with that next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 
And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa. Final segment as we get you ready for the Red-White Spring Game. Nebraska will play 1 o'clock live, Big Ten Network. Husker baseball played right after, I believe it's a 315 first pitch over at Hawksfield Haymarket Park uh, with Rutgers coming in. So it's going to be a great weekend to be in Lincoln uh, with baseball against Rutgers uh, and then obviously the spring game here on Saturday. But want to talk basketball, Robin. Um, the new hire has been made. Tell us what you know and kind of what direction Fred Hoiberg went. Yeah, Adam Howard, the former associate head coach at South Alabama for the previous four seasons, also spent time at Troy, um, Southern Miss, Tennessee, um, amongst others. Uh, you know, he's a guy that Fred Hoiberg has had his eye on for a long time and um, you know, really started to pick up this past offseason where uh, – they actually flew uh, Adam Howard to Lincoln, and he gave a presentation on his, um, you know, his his zone defense that he likes to run, uh, and kind of taught Nebraska staff a little bit about it. And so that that got Fred on the radar. And then another turn of coincidence, Fred was down uh, watching a UT Arlington game where his uh, son plays uh, down there, and you know they happened to play South Alabama. And so he was able to see that defense in action um, on the court in a live game. And so, the, you know, I think it always been on the back of his mind, and Fred even said as much during this, his announcement press conference, was, uh, you know, if, if a spot would have opened up on his staff, Adam Howard's right at the top of the list as, as guys that he would immediately pursue. So um, that's where the connection came from. Uh, and, you know, he, he brings a lot to the table as far as what Nebraska needed to address with that open position. He, like I said, he's a defensive-minded coach um, who brings a, a different kind of defensive philosophy compared to what Nebraska had been doing with Doc Sadler um, as opposed to the pack line defense. They run more, like I said, of a, of a zone with some man-to-man and press influences involved there. He's also um, got a track record of working with big men. Uh, he's produced a couple all-conference all players at South Alabama um, that you know have, have kind of given him a, a reputation of being uh, a developmental guy on the court. And he's a, a you know regarded as a high-level recruiter who has got deep ties, um, you know, especially to the the southeast part of the country. Um, and he was able to really do well with the transfer market um, at South Alabama. So he's got um, you know a lot of experience recruiting that just as well as high school kids. So again, pretty much everything Nebraska wanted, they got with Adam Howard. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he fits in. And it's also notable that, you know, he's got ties to Nebraska's other two assistants too. Uh, He was, uh, uh, I think he, Armand Gates was a GA when he played at Western Kentucky, I believe. And, uh, you know, there's some crossover too. I can't remember with uh, Nate Lenzer as well. So familiarity. And then obviously with, with his resume, make him a pretty natural fit with, with what Fred wanted. Robin, uh, Nebraska has been able to schedule some new visitors to come in, um, some transfer portal targets as well. Um, give us an update there as, um, they're in the market for a few new players. What, what do you know? Well, it's a unique situation in that they currently do not have an open scholarship, but, but they're waiting on, Official decisions from Latme and Trey McGowan's. Trey very much kind of seems to be still 50-50 on the fence, you know, exploring his options. 
with Lat, it seems like the writing's on the wall that he will eventually move on. Um, he does have a contract, uh, professional contract waiting for him um, on the table to go back uh, and play in Australia. So, you know, it, it kind of seems like that's where that's headed. And if so, that will leave Nebraska with one open scholarship uh, at the moment. And the number one target that has emerged is a guy by the name of Antonio Reeves. Um, he's a 6'6 guard from Illinois State. Um, an elite level scorer who uh, averaged 20 points per game last season, shot you know 46, 47% from the field, 39% from three-point range, 81% from the line. Uh, so he's a high-volume scoring wing who's got good size and length. And um, you look at the schools that have contacted him beyond Nebraska since he entered the portal on March 22nd, uh, just to name a few, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Texas Tech, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Florida State, Arizona State, LSU, uh, Wake Forest. So, I mean, like the biggest of the big names have been in on this kid. And it's notable uh, that Nebraska is his first official visit. The fact that out of all those schools, the first trip he's making is to Lincoln. And there is a connection there um, with Adam Howard. Um, there's a little bit of a connection there with Armand Gates. He's a kid. He's a Chicago kid. And obviously Armand has ties to um, the Chicago area. So, you know, I, I think Nebraska's in a pretty good spot, all things considered. And with transfer visits, they carry a whole lot more weight than high school visits. If a kid is taking the time as a transfer to take an official visit to a school, there is genuine mutual interest there. So definitely one to watch for that, like I said, eventual open spot. And then depending on what Trey does and if there's any other attrition, then they'll address any further um, you know, tra transfer portal needs as they might have. Yeah, and transfer portal guys, just like football, Robin, they they don't really talk much about the process. It's usually no. kept pretty tight. Yeah, I've, I've I've tried to reach Antonio multiple times, and no response whatsoever. And that's, that's the norm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not uh, you know, saying that's out of, out of the out of the blue or anything like that. But uh, you know, I think that again, you you look at who the high the the number one targets are based off visits and. With transfers, if they are taking a visit, that means that they are very high on on Nebraska. Yeah, usually the guys that answer their phones don't have options. The ones that do have options don't answer their phones. Exactly, and the fact that they're going through it for the second, sometimes even third time, they like, don't really care. They don't care about getting a, a story about or star ranking. Exactly, because a lot of recruiting is driven by offers and visits, Absolutely. which drives your ranking. Well, right now they don't care about that when they're a transfer. Yeah. So uh, again, that Antonio Reeves is the guy to watch. Um, we'll see if there's more spots to to follow after that. Nebraska has been in contact with other transfers, but so far uh, the only known official visitor uh, for the spring game weekend is going to be Antonio Reeves, and um, we'll see what else follows over the rest of the spring. But And I'm not talking about McGowan's, but do you see any other additional, like take out McGowan's, Latmay, and those guys, do you see any other additional roster attrition? It's – you know, nothing is expected. Um, obviously, there's always going to be a potential for that to happen. Um, you know, you just got to wonder kind of what, like, so one guy I look at particular as a, a, a maybe would be Casey Tomonaga, uh, just because, uh, you know, he his playing time really fell off at the end of last year. And they're bringing in a guy in Jamarcus Lawrence who basically does everything that Casey does. And he's just, he's bigger and he's a little bit more physical of a player. Uh, defensively. So there's only going to be so many minutes to go around and where is K-State's role going to be? Um, I've 
or heard nothing to suggest that he is close to making a decision like that. But just if you want to look at hypotheticals of potential other spots that could open up beyond Trey and Lat, um, that might be one to look at. But really, I think compared to the past three years, this is going to be a very quiet offseason as far as the roster movement. And that's a good thing. Fred does not need to have any more total roster overhauls. They need some continuity and they need to start building something as opposed to uh, trying to refresh it every year. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Um, and Robin, they had a, a walk-on guy um, that – you know, they brought in Kale Jacobson. Mm-hmm. Is there anything there with Jacobson um, where that's going to go with him to come on? Because that would be a really interesting walk-on addition. He'd be a fantastic walk-on addition. Um, obviously, uh, uh, he had a storied high school career, uh, dropped 43 points in the state tournament, uh, and he took a visit, um, an unofficial visit, earlier this spring. Right now, it's a preferred walk-on offer. Um, he does not have a Division One offer, or at least didn't the last time I talked to him. I haven't seen anything since. But he's playing on the AAU circuit, and so he's going to go through the first live period um, playing with the Nebraska Supreme Program um, on the Under Armour circuit. Anyway, uh, and if he can get a couple offers, then that might change his, his situation. But, you know, he told me that, he saw what Charlie Easley did, you know, just just a few years ago, where he came as a preferred walk-on, ended up earning a scholarship, and he that, has a better body than Charlie, and that vaulted him into a full ride at South Dakota State. So, you know, there's there's a path that even if you come as a walk-on, you know, that can help get you, especially in the transfer portal era, uh, a, maybe a better opportunity that wouldn't be on the table right now. So, certainly one to watch on the walk-on front. With Kale Jacobson, I know Nebraska's really high on him, and if they feel like if they can get him as a walk-on, that'd be a huge steal for them. All right, well, lots to follow this weekend. Husker baseball, as I mentioned, against Rutgers, but obviously this red-white spring game, tons of recruiting coverage as well um, and game coverage. Visit HuskerOnline.com. We'll keep you up to date on everything. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 